All right, Matt. Well, coming off of week three in the NFL, I think we're in very different places <laughs> with our current hmm. teams. Uh, one record-setting performance and one, you could say, disappoint, disappointing loss, to say the least, for the other team. And uh, for those of you watching on really YouTube... That's being really nice. Those of you watching on YouTube... I think you can tell by the uh, facial expressions who's who but in typical fan and fanatic fashion we let the fanatic go first because he's so excited to talk about his cowboys probably not as excited this week but it was a tough week i mean when you get upset by what people thought was the worst team in the league maybe not anymore but i don't know matt it must have been a tough tough Sunday for you so uh why don't you give us the breakdown and all the emotions you're going through what what happened you know what happened is uh the Cowboys came back to the old Cowboys the Mike McCarthy led Cowboys yeah that that's kind of what happened uh, it, it was like 2020 all over again for me in one game and to kind of summarize everything I'll go back to the preseason and what Mike McCarthy said. He said this team, they got rid of Kellen Moore. They're not going to be a high-flying offense. They're going to play complementary football. From offense to defense to special teams, that was totally not on display in this game. And, you know, I can, I can really dig deep, grill everyone here, but I'm not going to do that. I know people don't like to hear this a lot. I don't expect to be doing this a lot this season because I do expect my team to bounce back and be better. But, you know, obviously, to start off, let's start with the obvious. The stats don't lie. One for five in the red zone. Yeah, you're probably you're probably going to lose probably going to lose whether it's the cardinals university of hawaii kahuku like it doesn't matter if you do that like in a football game good things don't happen and the cowboys it's it's just a lack of knowing on what they had so going into the game i find out i'm down tyler biotish i'm down zach martin Tyron Smith is listed as questionable. He does play, but he comes out of the game after one series. So I'm basically playing without my three best offensive linemen in this game. And what do I always say on this podcast when there's backup offensive linemen for any team? How do you get them in a rhythm? Running the ball. It's so much easier as a lineman to run block than to pass block and to establish that ground game, get those guys in a groove. And it they just got away from that, especially in the red zone. That's what was so frustrating about this game. Dallas had no problem 
They had no problem moving the ball up and down the field. But once the field got condensed, they struggled. And why is that? Well, number one, they got a quarterback that's pretty mediocre. So how do we overcome that? Run the ball in the red zone. But Mike McCarthy does the exact opposite. We start running the ball. Tony Pollard, by the way, had a great game. 100-yard game. First one this year. Many more to come. But they're running the ball. They're running the ball great. And then when they get into the red zone, they start throwing it around, trying to make Dak be the hero. That's not how we win games. right? Rely on the run game. It's working. Don't go away from it. You can look at the stat line too. Another classic Cowboy stat line. When Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback and they run it more than they throw it, more than not, we're going to be on top. But the stats don't lie. Dak threw it 40 times. We ran it 33 times as a team. That's not the recipe for success right there. So we definitely got to improve that. The penalties were crucial offensively. Kind of expected that. But as a team, 13 penalties. 13. They actually had 16, but three of them were declined. So Cardinals are being a little nice to us. But that's just a lack of discipline. This is the old Cowboys coming back, not playing complimentary football, bad habits, bad fundamentals, uh, just poor, just poor. But, you know, as much as I want to rip on the offense, it's the thing that makes me the most frustrated is the defense. The defense ultimately lost this game for us. We're supposed to be the next Legion of Boom, the next Ravens defense, you know, 1985 Bears-esque. And we come out and we give up 28 points to Arizona, who scored on their first five possessions. They didn't punt to the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, that's horrible. And you gave up 180 yards rushing to the Cardinals at the half. That's a... Uh, 2020 defense when Dallas had the worst rush defense in the league. But I'm looking at guys like Micah Parsons. Where the hell were you all game? You had one sack. <laughs> you got you talking all this talk, man. I need you to, to, to back it up. Can't be, oh, I do good one game. I take off the next game. Nah. Bro, you want to be the best defensive player in the league? You, you got to show out every single week. And I don't want to have that excuse, oh, Trayvon Diggs got hurt. You know, that's a huge loss. Yes, it is a huge loss. But the passing game wasn't the issue. Outside of one, one busted coverage, which was pretty critical, honestly. But outside of one busted coverage, eh, for the most part, it was kind of what I expected. I thought Gilly could have played a little better. He got beat by Hollywood Brown a couple times. But... Trayvon Diggs, guy's great. He's all-world, one of the best corners in the league. But he's not going to make a difference that much in stopping the run, let's be honest. He's not blitzing. He's not crashing the line of scrimmage. He's taking on number one receivers. So there should be no excuse for you to not be able to stop the run. And it's Josh Dobbs. We're not playing against Patrick Mahomes, a guy who's just going to throw it around the yard all the time. Common sense, right? You're 
uh, inferior quarterback on paper, they, they're going to try run the ball. Make them beat you in the passing game. And they did it. So give Arizona credit. They did what they had to do um, as a team. But, you know, the defense, I have no words. It was, it was really, really bad. The safeties were terrible. Donovan Wilson, terrible. Jaron Curse, his angles, terrible. Malik Hooker couldn't cover squat this game. Couldn't cover squat. But, you know, this goes back to Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, right? A guy who says, we're going to play complimentary football. And, you know, he comes back. He does his old shenanigans again, making boneheaded decisions in these games. So the one thing I'm going to point out from Mike McCarthy, and I think this was such a huge turning point in this game. And this is the decisions that, you know, in games that you could say matter late in December, in January, if you get to the Super Bowl, obviously. But, you know, when you're down eight points, and I'm putting it into context, the defense finally wakes up. We get the ball back, three and out. We scored on a field goal earlier. We're down by eight. Our offense goes right down the field in the red zone. Uh, you know, third and goal, we don't get a completions. So now it's fourth and goal in the red zone. We got a chance to to get easy points. I know the red zone offense is an issue. It we got to fix that. But in this situation, late in the third quarter, take the points. Take the points. It's not like Arizona at that time was going up and down the field. We couldn't stop them. They they slowed down a little bit. We were finding a groove. The crowd was getting back into it with all those cowboy fans in Arizona. Take the points. Cut it to five. Put pressure on Arizona to play in the close game because they're the inferior opponent. Make them crack under pressure. But no, you decide to go for it. You get greedy. We don't get it. But the thing that I have a problem with that is, one, it's the third quarter. It's not like it's a, you know two minutes left in the game, down by eight, like the Raiders-Steelers game. We can talk about that later, but it's not late in the game. We got time. Our defense was playing well at the time. Let the momentum continue to ride. Second off, it's fourth and four. <laughs> it's not like it's fourth and one. If it was fourth and one, okay, I can see you. Let's give the rock to Pollard and just let him pound through. But fourth and four, that's that's such a stretch to me. So you're putting yourself in a hole and you're letting Dak Prescott, you know, take him, giving him the ball. I don't want the ball in his hands, to be honest, not in that situation. So, and you get no points. So now all the momentum goes back to Arizona and you just, you just lost the whole third quarter momentum to that. So things like that, just, just piss me off, piss me off. Cause it's, it's really, it's common sense. And this guy's, Give him credit. The first two games was great, but he gets a big fat F in this game. Speaking of big fat Fs, talk about my quarterback. He was eh, hard to say. He was all right. That's that that's be honest. He was all right. He had one horrible interception. I mean, I I truly didn't even know what he was looking at. I was just about to ask you what. <laughs> like 
I'm surprised you don't just give him a D or an F just just for that play alone. I mean, that play alone is an is an absolute F. I mean, I was trying to look at different angles of the coverage. I don't even know how Patrick Mahomes or someone is gonna pinpoint that. Like, I don't even know if a sniper rifle can like get through that that window. That's so tight. (laughs) And there's three guys around them. There's there's no reason to throw that. And you're down two touchdowns. It's not fourth down. Keep in mind it's third down. So if the play is not if the read's not there, live to fight another down on fourth down. It's and it's fourth and goal, by the way. So you you just can't have those those turnovers in critical situations. That's the thing that's frustrating about Dak is he can be great the whole game. And it's like Tony Romo. When you need him most, he comes up small. He turns into the fourth round pick that he was drafted. So to his credit, he shouldn't have even been in that situation because if I go back to Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it, I'm going to say they kick a field goal in that situation. So we add 19. And if Dak on third down throws it away, we can kick a field goal and we're down by six. And we got maybe three minutes left in the game. And, you know, the defense wouldn't just quit after that. So they would play harder. Who knows what could happen after that? But at least we would have had a shot to be in the game. But our coach makes a dumb play and our quarterback makes a dumb play. That's the two most important people on this team right now. The head coach and the quarterback. And they stunk. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the summary of this game. It was disgusting. I, I didn't want to talk to anybody after the game. Your brother was giving me a lot of crap at the field when I saw him. So I was yeah. just, I was so over that. So I got it off my chest. I will say, I will say going into next week though, if we take care of business against the Patriots, I'll be able to breathe. Oh, I hope you if guys we do. lose, If we lose, that's concerning to me. So this next game for us is a make or break to really see how good of a team we are. All right. I'm, I'm done with the Cardinals. Horrible game. Okay. Well, horrible game. Not this isn't really a Cardinals point, but just real quick before we get off the Cowboys here, I know you got your rant off, but you talked about the red zone struggles, right? You know, what what did you say? They were one for four, one for five, five, one for five today or on Sunday. I just am curious is this, you know, is it a lack of Zeke maybe? Or is it lack of that big bruising running back? Or do you think it's something, it's a scheme thing, it's a coaching thing, you know? Because usually, right, it first and, you know, whatever at the five or in, it's, I'll give the ball to Zeke and he'll go punch it in. Even last year, you know, when Zeke wasn't the 2016 Zeke anymore, you know, you still had that big body running back. And not, you know, nothing against Tony Pollard, but he's definitely more of the home run hitter than the grind it out, you know, inside gets you a tough three yards kind of back. I mean, he's he's still strong. You know, he's capable. But when I think Tony Pollard, I think, you know, the, the speed, the quickness, the agility. Do you think maybe that's something Dallas needs to look into? Because, you know, there's your second string running back. He's also kind of, you know, more of that same Tony Pollard-esque, you know, more elusive than a power back. I'm just curious if if you think maybe some getting something like that will 
help alleviate some of the red zone issues for Dallas? I mean, I think it would help. Obviously, Zeke was arguably the best at one-yard gains in those goal line situations. But, you know, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm going to allow Dak Prescott to run. That that That's me. We don't have Zeke. So we got to find that that big body. Let's take a playbook out of the Eagles, right? Quarterback sneak. Dak is a big guy. If it wasn't for that horrific injury he had, I guarantee you he would be running a lot more. But at this point, we gotta we gotta win. And Dak's what two years now removed from that injury. He's under contract. He's not playing for a contract, so he should feel a little secure. So I'm I'm gonna run Dak more, to be honest, because you know I, I'm not hoping for an injury, but Cooper Rush is on the bench. We already know what he can do in in a system. He's more than capable of it. Trey Lance is your quote-unquote third string. That's probably the best third string quarterback in the league. So you got depth, I guess you could say, if there was an injury, knock on wood. I don't want Dak to get hurt. But if that's something that's going to help us win, I'm sorry. I I think we got to get back to that. Dak got a read option more, just quarterback sneaks. I think that's the way to go now because we don't have Zeke. So we got to get that power one yard gain going. But I do like Pollard. Pollard, I think oh, he's more than capable of it. Definitely. Because when he came into the league, he was he was pretty scrawny, to be honest. Like a quick kid, but didn't have the bulk. When you watch him run now, he, he's he's got the whole package as a running back. So we just got to incorporate a little bit of Dak Prescott running the ball, I think. Okay. Okay. I, I like that. Yeah. Definitely get Dak moving again. You know, even just simple rollouts or something like that. Get, you know, move the pocket a little bit. I agree. Exactly. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys win next week against the Patriots. That'll be good for both of us. Get you guys back on track. Um, but let's, let's go to, I guess, the flip side. So we hit the low first out of the two of us. Now we get to the high, you know. I've got to talk about the Dolphins. Everyone's talking about the Dolphins now. Uh, 70 points in an NFL game. I mean, I don't – just so ridiculous. Um, I thought it was a typo when I saw that score in the morning. I was like, wait, <laughs> it 70? Was, it was crazy because – so I didn't even wake up to watch the first half, right? So I woke up a little bit later. And, you know, I'm like – you know, you like wake up first thing in the morning – Oh, how's my fantasy guys doing? How's the Dolphins doing? And I check and I see 35 to, you know, whatever, 13, I think it was. I was like, oh, wow. Like, they won 35 to 13. And then I looked at the time. I was like, wait, it's only 8 something in the morning. How is the game over? Oh, 35 to 13 at halftime? We put up 35 points in the first half? I was like, what is going on? So I turned on the game. And, you know, I'm like two of 16 of 16, two touchdowns. We're running all over them. I was like, what the hell is going I get it was the Miami home opener, you know. But, man, they just – you want to talk about, like, a perfect offensive game. I mean, 10 touchdowns, no field goals. That is, I mean, just ridiculous. I think they had – they – they had what maybe one possession 
that tool was in that they didn't score or something like that. I mean, just a ridiculous track meet and so much I, I could get to in this game, you know, obviously Tua doing his typical thing, even without Jalen Waddle, Tyreek over the middle, Craycraft over the middle, Barrios over the middle, you know, like that stuff we're used to, but the, my biggest takeaway from this game was if we can run the ball, I'm not saying we're going to get 350 yards on the ground every game, you know, but just to know, like, it's there is such a threat, I think, to other teams, right? Because what was everyone saying the first, you know, after the first game, after last week's game, don't, you know, play back. We got to play back. Take away Tyreek down the field. Take away Waddle down the field. Oh, but by the way, now they can go drop, you know, 350 yards on the ground or even 100, you know, 150 plus yards on the ground. Right? Like that is just going to add another element, another thing for defenses to fear. And this game to me was the culmination of everything that the organization has been building to the past several years. Right? Go out, get Mike McDaniel, first of all. Right? Trade for Tyreek Hill. You got Jalen Waddle in the draft the year before. Now you go out, you know, you get Mostert, you get speed, you get. The guy I was, you know, hyping up this uh, in the preseason, Devin A-Chain or Devon A-Chain, right? He has, I think he runs like a 4-2. I was telling you, like, he looks ridiculous in the preseason games. He finally had his coming out party. I'm talking about a coming out party. 203 yards on the ground, four touchdowns, four total touchdowns. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good coming out party for a rookie, you know, third game ever. But... To have two guys like that, we don't, you know, Jeff Wilson didn't even really play. I don't, I think he might still be hurt. I think he's on IR. Yeah. yeah, he's. I think he's on so IR. Jeff Wilson is still out. He's usually our, you know, a little bit more of a power back. He can catch the ball too. But, man, we're, like, we didn't even have Jalen Waddle this game. We weren't even at full strength. They dropped 70 points. Like, I don't know, you know, you can argue. We'll get to the, the Denver side in a little bit, but. To me, this was the ultimate testament to Chris Greer, you know, the ownership, Mike McDaniel, Tua. Everything just came together perfectly. The offensive line, I thought, played their best game, you know, honestly, that I've seen from the Miami Dolphins in a long time, right? Tua had time to throw. The running lanes were huge. I don't know how much of that is scheme, you know, that's scheme versus personnel maybe versus I don't know, Denver probably quit in the second half, let's be honest, right? <laughs> to allow 70 points, come on. I mean, something's not right there. But, you know, Matt, like, you, that's what you allude to all the time, right? As a defense, what is the number one, maybe not number one priority, but what is the first thing as a defense you should, you need to do? Stop the run. That is, like, the first thing to do. When UH had the poorest run defense, when Dallas had the poorest run defense several years ago, that was the thing that would frustrate you the most, right? Because if you can't stop the run, you know, then you're just going to get walked on all day for four quarters, right? You know that frustration. So, I mean, just I got to tip my cap. Um, I hope this doesn't get the players too high because we still have the toughest, you know, 
second toughest schedule in the league. So, you know, maybe Denver was a little bit overrated to begin the season, but um, what not really too much to say. It was a damn near perfect game. Um, you know, defense created turnovers when we had to. Okay, we let up what one special teams uh miscue on the kick return for a touchdown, but what was it? They cut the lead to 40 something, 44 <laughs> or something. So like the meme on Twitter, Chris yeah. Paul hits a three, cuts oh yeah, cuts it to 40. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's what everyone was saying. Oh, you know, oh, just wait till Miami gets in the cold weather. Cold weather. Oh, two is not going to be able to throw. What are they going to do? How are they going to? They just showed everyone, you know. Now you got to worry about the run, too. And to me, I think by far now, Miami's offense, you know, it was kind of close with San Francisco, I thought, with the weapons and personnel. But the they have the scariest offense in the NFL, in the NFL hands down. Right, yeah, you hang can, seventy on anyone. I can agree to that because it's not one dimensional, right, Matt? Like you look at the Rams, the greatest show on turf. They could do it. They could do it all, and it feels like this Miami team. I know we're only three games in. Maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but the there are so many ways they can beat you on offense. You know, scheme wise, it's like there's no holes. So I'm real excited. Um, it's going to be a great game next week. The real, real test going at, up to Buffalo. And honestly, we got lucky. We're playing them in, you know, late September, early October. Let's be honest, right? But I still think, you know, divisional game, a lot of history between these two teams. Miami has been right there, like still Buffalo's little brother the past several years. Um, but I think Tula really wants to show people that, hey, if I played in that game last year, that playoff game, we would have won, right? So I'm real excited. I'm not going to say too much because there's nothing – I don't think there's that much to say, honestly. Like, it was just perfectly executed on offense. Um, yeah, so – I feel uh, like there's one thing that you should – you should. it's not a really a concern, but it's like you got to account for this now. It's – Obviously, with A Chain breaking out this game, I think who's your number two? Is it Ahmed Savat? Oh, Ahmed was Ahmed. hurt, so he was um, hurt. So I think A Chain got pushed up in the depth chart, and then obviously he goes crazy. So is it now going to be a committee at running back? Like, how do you do that? Mostert's played well. You can't really cut him out. No, so definitely. So Raheem is going to stay in number one back. I think, um, but. Just the more A-Chain gets involved in this offense, you know, I think they're talking about just getting him the ball in space in general because there's so much motion that goes on. And, you know, we're really starting to see the full mad scientist of Mike McDaniel come out. You know, we talk about the different schemes and the motions all the time. But now we have we're integrating like we had two shovel passes to A-Chain <laughs> for touchdowns. The, the no look, look shuffle pass. No look shovel passes, right? So we're really seeing like the blossoming of Mike McDaniel's play calling now. And the execution is just so crisp. And two is getting the ball out fast, which is the best part. If he stays healthy, there's no telling, you know, what this offense can do. Because it looks so simple on paper. 
But when you really go back and, you know, I watched some stuff on YouTube, like there's this guy like Q, he's the QB school guy, JT O'Sullivan. Um, he really goes in depth into quarterbacks. And when he breaks down film, you just see, everyone talks about the anticipation with Tua. But when you see he's literally, the ball's out of his hand and his receiver is not even out of their break yet. Like, I don't think people understand how hard that is to do, to just blindly throw the ball, have it hit your guy perfectly in stride when they turn their head, you know? Like, that's, that is to his superpower, obviously. So, um, if he can keep that up, yeah, this offense is going to go go far. But on the flip side, you know, since we're talking about this game, what the hell is going on in Denver, Matt? Like, do they – is it fire sale time? What is – I don't know. Um, we can get to that with the Sean Payton thing, but it is ugly. I don't know how yeah. you lose by, by 50. You lost by 50. You let up 70 points. They could have easily had the record if they kicked the field goal. But And last week, the week before, they blew, what, 21-3 lead against the Commanders at home? That's the two worst ways you could lose, possibly. A heartbreaker, you blow the lead, and you just get absolutely murdered. <laughs> yeah. So, but the, I think the scary thing is the defense. Isn't Denver's defense supposed to be their strength? And well, they look worse it, now. They it's might be the worst worse. defense in the league. But you still have guys, you know, Justin. Okay, Justin Simmons didn't play in this game. All right. Yeah, but, but Pat Patrick got Tan? absolutely cooked by Tyreek. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a long day to be in orange. I'll I'll say that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. You know, I I'm not gonna get too. Oh my God, we're going undefeated or anything like that because it's a long season. A lot can happen. I'm sure defenses will figure out some way to slow this offense down. But right now, definitely optimistic. Um, okay, let's get to. Uh, I'm gonna save the Taylor Swift thing for after. I want to get to the coaching thing first, right? So we'll get to the coaching. There were some interesting coaching moments, you could say, this week. And uh, we will start with our favorite guy <laughs> when it comes to coaching, <laughs> Mr. Brandon Staley. At this point, man, I don't I don't know if it's analytics driven. I don't it has to be, I'm assuming. But let's just get to the decision of the game, right? So the Chargers up. Late in the fourth quarter, you know, chance to put the Vikings away. But they run into a fourth down on, I believe, their own, what, 25 or something Let's say like 25, that. yeah, 25, 30 you yard know, line. Within their own 30-yard line. I knew that. Fourth and one. And just let's break down everything about this. So fourth and one, short yardage situation. You have no Austin Eckler, first of all. Joshua Kelly, I think, had 12 yards or something like that. 11 yards, maybe, of rushing the entire day. And you only ran it, what, 11 times? So you averaged one yard a carry. So Mr. Kellen Moore, as Matt is familiar, decides, what do we do? You know, Keenan Allen, what, had 18 catches, I think? Yeah, 18 catches. You have Justin Herbert, a mobile quarterback, who can run 
you know, our strength is in passing. He's a big quarterback. But, big quarterback. Big quarterback. Six six, good athletic frame who can move really well. And we go inside zone or something like that, right up the middle, no push, get stuffed. <laughs> like, what are we doing? From the decision to the play call to I I truly don't can't even fathom it. Man. At this point, I've been trying to be nice, but I just think the decision itself is completely ridiculous. Did you even? Well, one hundred percent. I was, because I, I was watch. I think that game was all, that was the early morning game. So, I saw it was like fourth down. Vikings didn't get it. So I was ah, like you know, game's over, whatever. They don't have timeouts. And I turned the TV on back five minutes later. I'm like, wait, how did they get the ball at the ten yard line now? What what happened? <laughs> I come to find out. Oh yeah, they went for it on their own twenty five yard line. Just. I don't, I don't get it. I truly don't get it because say the Vikings actually cashed in, Brandon Staley would probably be without a job to me at, at this point. You go 0-3, stupid decisions like that get you fired. But the thing that I think makes it worse is they're up by four, so the Vikings need a touchdown. Need and a they have touchdown. No, they need a touchdown to beat you, and they have no timeouts. <laughs> so punt the ball pin them back and play just play defense you can let them take the chunks whatever but just don't give up the home run plane you're gonna win <laughs> just the risk reward is crazy to me and it's this, i'm pretty sure that's the second time he did that i remember he did it against what i forget who they played but it was fourth and one their own 20 yard line they go for it and then they lose <laughs> Yeah, I so, need someone to make like a Brandon Staley decisions compilation on YouTube. Oh, I, I'm sure somebody has. It's cooking right now. Somebody's I, cooking it up right now. All the things you just mentioned, though, Matt, even the analytics could not tell me, could not say it was worth it to go for it there. You know, I I truly think that's coming from him. That's just his model. I'm like, he's just, he has no, what do you, what do you call that? No filter or like no conscious yeah no conscious he he don't care (laughs) he's just gonna go yeah so but the just it's just the thing that kills me is even it's every it's everything about it like (laughs) no eckler no eckler okay fine but you haven't been able to run the whole day anyway so you call a run up the middle you call a run up the middle you can't and then they need a touchdown, right? They need a touchdown. So if you punt, they still have to go the entire length of the field with no timeouts. I, like, I just can't fathom that decision. Like, they truly deserve to lose that game. And, you know, I guess it's just the Vikings. I It's the opposite of last year, right? The undefeated yeah. in one score to winless in one score games this year. Um, it's kind of a tough way to end it, Kurt. You know, the it got tipped. It was a great play by the DB, tip drill in the end zone, right? But I, I just can't fathom it. I'm not even a big, you know, I like Justin Herbert, but I'm not the, you know, I'm more 
obviously the it's the tool of Justin Herbert thing, right? Whatever. But I feel for Justin Herbert, man, because I just don't get it. Um Yeah, but he's got an OC that's gonna just throw the ball around and not not run the ball when you can. Yeah, so and I then mean, when you when you're not supposed to run, he's gonna run. So yeah, you'll definitely get like the, the stats. opposite. Yeah, it's it is it's so like I was so dumbfounded when I was watching uh the highlights of that. Cause it just <laughs> I I couldn't understand it. Um because I still think the Chargers have a good team, but man, if you go 0 3 in the AFC right now. You're kind of cooked um, in terms of the playoffs. I think every every game is going to matter. And I just... Oh, so ridiculous to me. Um, Crazy. Yeah. So we have a couple other ones, coaching decisions. Um, I know you already talked about Mike McCarthy. Is there anything you wanted to say about him besides that uh, going for it instance? I mean, he's the opposite of Staley. It's like, you know, just take the points. It's like, you're too too aggressive. Like, just be conservative in this in this situation. But we kind of touched on that. Sean Payton is just a dumpster fire. We talked about that one in Denver. I, I don't know. He got too full of himself saying Nathaniel Hackett did a great job in Denver. Well, look at you now. At least Nathaniel Hackett probably had a win. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then McDaniels, um, oh my gosh, him too. Yeah, yeah. So we real quick before we get to the break, the Josh McDaniels one. Um, they kicked the field goal down eight with you know before the two minute warning, three timeouts. Um, so at first I was talking to Matt, I was like, I can kind of understand, you know, why they kicked the field goal. And then I really thought about it. Oh, wait, you kicked the field goal, it's a five point game. You still, you still need, need a, a touchdown. touchdown. <laughs> so you're gonna kick off. You're gonna need the defense to stop them. You're gonna blow timeouts to stop the clock, and have to march down the entire like the field anyway to score a touchdown. And then I realized, nah, that's idiotic. You gotta go. And the thing was, it wasn't even uh an and goal situation, right? It was like fourth and four. You don't even need to get into the end zone. You just need four yards, and you have a whole fresh set of downs again you know, to try and tie the game. So, yeah, I uh, don't like that decision. Um, I think the Raiders have pieces. I've always thought Jimmy G is a winner, right? We talk about it. Not the flashiest guy, but he can get the job done, especially in the regular season. But you got Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers has played well. You got Josh Jacobs, you know. You got to trust in your offense in that moment. To, that someone's gonna make a play um i don't know well said yeah well so said. we got more a couple more things to talk about uh on the other side but we'll take a break here and uh pick things up after okay so I guess we'll round up the NFL talk by concluding what everyone has been talking about the past, what, week or two weeks. Uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I don't really want to talk about it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I guess Taylor Swift is just massive. So it's news everywhere. Um, 
I don't know. I think the whole situation is pretty funny because here's my theory. All right. I bet they already had been like dating or talking or whatever, like for a little bit. And... Yeah, that, that's what they said, right? They oh, were going is that what on they like, said? weren't they going on like when the first reports came out, it was like, oh, Travis Kelsey has been reportedly hanging out with Taylor Swift, like on the side, like very private. I don't know who leaked that. But that yeah, was the see, initial report. But I'm I saying I bet even before that, or like way before stuff had already been happening, and they're like, they're it's this whole media, you know, slowly release information. Oh no, I'm not actually dating her. You know, oh it's just for fun. You know, blah blah blah. Because okay, here's my thing. The only reason I bring that up is because so Taylor Swift was sitting like in the suite, right, with the in the Kelsey suite. And like sitting right next to his mom, you know, and it's like they seem pretty not comfortable, but not like they had met for the first time and they're like, you know, talking to each other, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, nah, they probably had, you know, previous stuff going on. Um, I don't know. Anyway, that's just, you know, that's just me. Travis Kelsey, uh, he is game, clearly. Uh, <laughs> so. I'll just say, um, yeah, I hope this doesn't mess up Travis Kelsey's career because I'd be pretty sad if uh, <laughs> this, this somehow derails it. Like, well, uh, I don't think it's going to be like the Kardashian curse. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope it's not like the Kardashian <laughs> curse, not the, the Swifties curse or anything. Um, I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so Matt said that had us thinking on, you know, what would be another like huge NFL power couple, I guess, because I don't know, that's pretty interesting. Um, I was trying to think of like who are like pretty popular, you know, people nowadays, um, in terms of like stardom, I guess you could say. I wouldn't even take Taylor Swift to be like a football person anyway, so I don't know, Matt. Uh, did you have have anyone in mind for for your power couple match idea? I was gonna go on the spot, but you know, I'm gonna say Dua Lipa and Dua Lipa. Okay, I know <laughs> you're a big Dua Lipa guy. Yeah, but I want to see her with someone that's big time. Wouldn't okay. Cooper Rush be wouldn't Cooper Rush be oh great? <laughs> I mean, couldn't you see those personalities? This is the stupidest out? segment we've ever done on this show. I can't believe I got him. I got actually him. Actually, Okay. So you made me say all that just so you could say yeah. one joke. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't need <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, well, what about Josh Allen and Haley Steinfeld? Yeah, aren't aren't they already dating? That's already a thing. They're already yeah, like, but I I don't know. I have it, the news has kind of been quiet, so I, I, that's I a, that's a power couple to me. I don't know. I could see like what Rogers and someone. Uh, I don't even know who the big names are anymore. Honestly, oh, gotta um, be Tom Brady and uh, Kim Kardashian. Okay, yeah, something like that. Well, actually. No, the newest one, supposedly Odell 
is hang out with. Oh, him. right, right. That's a good one. Yeah. That would be a pretty big power couple. I mean, Odell, you know, not producing statistically this year, but still one of the bigger names, I would say, in the NFL. Um, Baltimore, yeah, I get they're not going to get too much press in Baltimore. Even Lamar Jackson still doesn't get enough press, I feel like, in Baltimore. So we'll, uh, I'm done. Can we cut this? I'm, I'm good with the Taylor Swift thing. I've seen it enough. I personally don't even think Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey match um, at all, right? Like, hey, opposites attract, though. Ah, okay. I could see that. Um, yeah, opposites attract. Okay. But I don't know. I just thought it was weird. I wouldn't see, like, those two together. Um, but, hey, good for them. Hopefully, you which, know. Which which uh, which Kelsey-Swift duo is better? <laughs> Well, probably the one that is going to run all over the league. So I'm going to go with uh, the one in Philadelphia instead. Yeah. I think that one's a little more stable. I'll just say that. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. with. Can we? Okay, we're done. I'm cutting this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, is there any more NFL stuff you wanted to get to, Matt, before we, we get to college football? Um, no, no, I'm good. I got my Cooper Rush, uh, Cooper Rush line in. So, okay. Uh, I know Cooper. Cooper Rush is married though, so he's a respectable guy. So you know yeah, he's he, yeah, he's he's, right. he's he's chilling. But in a dream world, man, that would be unreal. All right. Well, let's just do a quick update on our pickums. So I'm after week three. I am only one game ahead of you now. Uh. I'm 30 and 17. You're 29 and 18. Uh, I had a rougher week with with some of these picks. But, you know, I think everyone missed on the Jags, missed on the Ravens. So I'm not going to feel too bad about those ones. Um, Steelers won. Could have gone either way. You know, uh, I'm I'm still pretty happy with, with how I'm doing. Haven't had a negative week yet so far. So uh, at least that is still good. You know, we kind of know what we're talking about at least um at least it's close one game apart not too bad not too bad i guess one thing that i want to ask you before we move off the nfl talk the new york jets is it time do you scrap this season do your own three now no signs of life from the offense with zach wilson at all like what do you do if you're the jets is it, you know, do you try to bring in a, a vet or do you just pray that Zach Wilson can become somewhat, you know, efficient in this offense? Because it's so, so ugly right now watching it and all the talking heads are coming for him. Even Joe Namath said he can't oh, watch God. Zach Wilson anymore. See, that's a problem because he's the – pinnacle yeah, of like Jets Mr. quarterback Jet. yeah yeah Broadway Joe so I don't know if he's saying it's a problem he's probably right and I, I actually do agree with him I, I think they tried they tried Matt Ryan he said no I don't know Carson Wentz maybe I mean that's probably the best guy that they got in terms of splash I, I they can't just punt the season I feel like they're one too and many two. Investment, yeah, too much investment. Yeah, exactly, right? 
Oh yeah, they wanted to. You paid yeah. you paid Quint Williams a big contract. Like you got all the Miko Hartman, Randall Cobb, all these veteran guys now. So Lazard. It's it's hard. Dalvin Cook. I mean, you got all these veteran guys, and you're just gonna waste the year. Nah, he can't. You, you can't do that. It's it's three games in, but you can't let Zach Wilson ruin your season, because you have tape on him. It's not like he's a rookie and this is his first, what, two starts, three games. He's he's played some football enough to where you can kind of understand how he is, and yeah, I think after. Two starts and three games this year. Yeah. If your defense doesn't hold the team to, to 10 points, you, you can't win at this point. That's what I'm seeing. So yeah. they got to make a change. At, I at think least so. Give yourself a chance, at least. I would I would try Carson Wentz, in my opinion. Probably the best out there. He's going to have a lot of interceptions, but he might give you some splash plays, which is kind of what you need at this point. Yeah, I agree. Okay, um, I pray for you, Jets fan. I, I'm, I can't even. They're just cursed the, with quarterbacks. I can't even cursed. imagine. I really can't. Um, okay, well, that's enough NFL talk. Let's get to some college football. Start off with UH. Uh, Matt, did you watch this game? I didn't watch it, so. No, we were hanging out together. Remember that? <laughs> oh. But we were we were following on our, on yeah, our phone, right. and I watched yeah. a little bit of highlights, a little bit of highlights. Well, but, uh, at least we won, um, barely. I know there was a nice onside kick that you know we kind of snuck in there, so that's encouraging to see. I think, um, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I thought, all right, I I like that. Uh, we're being you know aggressive and trying to win the game. Um, let me just pull up the game real quick here. So what are we currently at, Matt? We're what, two We're and... Two and three. Two and three. Two and three. So definitely on pace with what we were hoping for. But, you know, going into UNLV, UNLV has, you know, gotten the better of us the these past several years. And... Honestly, I don't think that's going to change because UNLV beat Vanderbilt this year. Um, so I think UNLV has a pretty good team put together. Uh, I mean, they held Michigan to 35 points in the big house, right? So maybe that's saying something. Uh, they just dropped 45 points this past week. So I think Hawaii's in danger. <laughs> I don't think we'll be oh, in this trouble. game uh, at all. Especially, you know, I know we lost Logan Taylor. Um, but just, we still can't run the ball. And by the way, is, um, what is going on with Tylen Hines? Is he hurt or something? Because I, I think so. Okay. I think that he's makes hurt. Sense. But still yet, I... I don't know. It, it's a mystery because it just kind of came out of nowhere that it's like, oh, he's he's hurt. There was really no report that I heard that, oh, well, it's a serious injury. He's going to miss a couple weeks, but it's kind of like a week by week thing at this point. So 
I've kind of accepted the fact that he's not going to be the guy this year. He could probably not be on the team next year because he could transfer. But yeah, I think that's the thing that's frustrating about UH right now. So I, I do have to give credit to the defense. They did give up 180 yards rushing. Not very good. But they did hold them to 17. They held them down late in the game. A clean second half off the scoreboard. You gave your offense a chance. So in a way, I got to tip my hat to the defense. You gave your team a chance to win in the second half. But the thing, I think that's frustrating for Hawaii fans out there. But the run and shoot, we were spoiled with, obviously, Rolo, Timmy Chang, Colt Brennan, Moniz, heck, even McDonald to some degree. And they could put up points, and they could add some some flair to to the game. But why why is this run and shoot with Braden Shager just not working? It started pretty positive with that Vanderbilt game, and I feel like it's getting worse by the game. That to me is concerning because this offense is supposed to put up numbers and points regardless of the talent around you. It's supposed to uplift and elevate everybody's game. That was the whole point of bringing back the run and shoot. But it's something's missing. We're struggling to score 20 points. That's concerning to me. And it's New Mexico State too. That's that's concerning to me. Yeah, Shager I mean, <laughs> is getting worse by the game. I mean, what was his QBR this game? 15.5. That's horrible. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'll be happy with the win. I'll just say that. I'll take the win. I think he got sacked. They're only saying three times, but he had 12 rushes. Um, I don't want to see him running 12 times. I don't think he was running 12 times. Yeah, because they called it 12 rushes for a total of negative two yards. <laughs> so, yeah, they caught the, the sack yardage in college. Yeah, so I won't go there, but it, yeah, just not a great look. I There's still no juice. There's no juice that I was expecting, you know? Like, where's the, the flair or the excitement that I was hoping for? It, it just... Like you said, the, it we're just kind of slowly dying off now. And yeah, we won this game, but you know we had to come back and at home against I don't think a very good New Mexico State team. No, they're not a very good and team. And so we're only gonna you know play tougher games in conference as the season goes on. I'm looking for wins, Matt. Uh, you know, in our schedule, and uh. I was pretty optimistic before we could go bowling, but the more and more I look, you know, like you and Hunter, I don't know where we're gonna get. <laughs> I don't know where we're gonna get the wins. Like it is very possible. Okay, maybe New Mexico and Colorado State are winnable games, but you know, Ooh, Colorado, Colorado State. State played... I don't think so. They just no, but at, you know, okay, sorry. At the beginning of the year, we we're saying Colorado State, right? But we right. saw how tough they played Colorado. So now I'm expecting that one to get rolled. We might win, we might win one game the rest of the year. Maybe. I don't see a win in the rest of the schedule. Nevada's gonna be tough. 
at Wyoming is a loss. Air Force is really good this year. Oh, that's a loss. We lose that one. We lose that one for sure. San Diego State, we know, is always going to be a good team. San Jose State, you know, their record isn't showing it, but I still think they're much better than Hawaii. They got a better Um, quarterback. Yeah. So, I don't... Just so sad. Um, I don't know where the wins are going to come from. And... Hopefully, you know, Timmy's still not on the hot seat yet. But man, I don't I'm think already he's gonna feeling, be in the hot seat. I feel like I'm already looking forward to next season and we're only in September. And <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, this, this schedule looks pretty tough. I don't think they're gonna beat UNLV. They're not gonna beat San Diego State. New Mexico State, maybe. I don't think San Jose, maybe. Nevada's not that good, maybe, but how does UH play in the cold in Reno in November? It's going to be freezing. Can't even play in the warm and I mean, 75 yeah. degrees. How are we supposed and to play in the cold Air Force this year? is tough. They're going to lose down. Wyoming is going to be freezing in Wyoming. And then Colorado State, we saw what they did against Colorado, so they're no joke. <laughs> I think my prediction was right. I think I – didn't I say four wins? <laughs> so I'm looking yeah. pretty good right now. We yeah. were delusional. We were delusional, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, um, Hunter, Hunter corrupted you on that on that segment. <laughs> he fell for the hype. That's all right. Um, I don't want to talk about UH anymore. It's gonna make me sad. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Colorado. You know, not a good weekend for football in Colorado. You could say. Uh, but I think we finally saw, you know, college football at its epitome recruiting. It was just a recruiting mismatch, exactly like you called it, Matt. The the lines for each side, uh, completely tipped in Oregon's favor. Shadur had absolutely <laughs> no chance out there. Um, their defensive line could not do a thing to affect Bo Nix and the offense. I just, you know, you being the Oregon fan, Matt, what what did you uh, what were your takes on the game overall? Oh, I mean, I I loved it. I loved it because they showed on a big stage that this team is for real. This is this is their year to to make a run at it. They got the veterans. They got a senior quarterback. They got a senior defensive lineman anchoring the defense. They got weapons on the outside with Troy Franklin, who's going to be in the Bullet in the Cough Award discussion at the end of the year. You got a running back, you could say trio now. So they have the pieces. They have the pieces, and I'm just glad that the country was able to really see that this team is legit. But I think this is important and I wanted to talk about this, but I was happy with the beatdown, not because of Dion. I think people are giving Dion a little bit too much hate. Like I think he's going to be terrific at Colorado. He's going to build this program is already turned around. So a year or two from now, they're going to be a force. 
They're going to be a force. But the I thing agree. that ticked me off, and which is why I wanted Oregon to just shove it down their throats, is you don't step and disrespect someone's logo. You just don't do that. I don't care what level of football you play, high school, college, in the NFL. If you disrespect someone's logo, you deserve a beatdown. And Colorado, of all teams, should know that. You got Deion Sanders, your coach. What do you think? And you just played Colorado State in your last game. And what did they do? Or Nebraska. Nebraska, they step on your logo. Shador tries to break it up. Oh, yeah, it, you know, they're disrespecting us. Yeah, we're going to give it to them. Oh, Colorado State comes in. The coach takes a shot at Dion. Oh, yeah, it's personal. Well, guess what? It's personal if you step on the O in Austin Stadium. And you better expect us to, to come out and give it to you. So I don't want to hear any. I listened to first take. Skip Bayless, I totally disagree with everything he said because you don't do that. Have respect for your opponents. And Dion, of all people, you got to know that. I don't know if he, if that was communicated or not, but you just don't do that. You just, you don't do that at all. And Dan Lanning, he's getting a lot of heat right now in the media, but I loved everything that he said in that, in that speech. Maybe he, he it was intentional to the fact where he wanted people to know. But isn't your job as a coach to get your team fired up to play? And he 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 had me wanting to run through a wall and get on the field with them. That's how good it was of a speech that he gave and he got his guys ready to play. So Dan Lanning, I back him up. I'm not a huge fan of him sometimes, you know, he's questionable but man he he got his boys ready to play and that's your job as a coach and he did a hell of a job so i commend him for that but yeah i i just think it just got personal when you step on the logo and you know yeah, i agree is, colorado deserves it honestly they deserve it from that point they deserved it uh yeah i i definitely agree I don't think, um, you know, it was respectful at all. And I get, I get, you know, it became personal for Oregon. Definitely. Um, they were already hearing hype about Colorado when, you know, they have national title hopes. I don't think Colorado had national title expectations or hopes, but that's definitely done now. Um and yeah, Dan Lanning, I had no problem with what he said. That's literally his job to fire up his team. Um, you know, however you're good, you're gonna have to do it or say it. Uh, I thought he did a really good job, and Oregon was ready. They were the better team. They had the better recruits, like you said. I think Dion is gonna have that team ready to play. Um, in yeah, two years. We'll say two years after they get some recruits under their belt, build up that offensive line a little bit, uh, get some guys to play. But they're just not there yet. That you know, cut and dry. They're not ready. And yeah, I had no problem. And I think Oregon showed everyone that you know, not only are they legit, but yeah, 
Colorado as a team, not quite there in that upper echelon of talent yet. And that's okay. You know, I think this is a good learning lesson for a lot of them. Um, but I think, so just to, so I'm clarified in the situation, did Dion tell his players to go step on the logo or what? Did he even comment on any of that at all? I'm not even sure if he commented. I think he Schurz only said it was only commented. Or something. Oh, I didn't hear what Shador said, but Dion didn't comment on the logo. He commented on Landing's comments and he said, I keep receipts, which is, yeah, that's fair. I get it. But he, that's his job as a coach. You got to get, you got to get your team ready to play. And he used the Colorado media hype to fire up his team. I don't think it was a personal shot at Dion. I mean, it's not like he was saying, Oh, like what Jay Novell said against Colorado State. That's kind of, you know, okay, yeah, you involve someone's parents. Yeah, okay, that's a little too far. But he was referencing the program as a whole. It wasn't, oh, Dion is fighting for clicks. No, Colorado is fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. And he got, he just got his boys ready to play. You got to live with that. You got to live with that. You can't, if you're Colorado, you can't act all big. And oh yeah, you know it's personal. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm the big dog now. Oh, but you can't take the beating. Like, that's just how that's how sports is. So I got I got no sympathy for Colorado, but to kind of answer your question, no, I did not hear anything from from Dion about the logo. I just think it's interesting because I know Dion. You know, comes off as a really flamboyant and you know fun cocky whatever personality you want to call it but to me the stuff that he instills in his team you know like a lot of discipline they seem really well run they work really hard um they come out and they play 100 percent, give it their all you know their players played hard you know the whole game even though they were getting licked um i just thought it was interesting because that doesn't seem like a Dion thing. Hey, go step on their logo. You know, I don't know if that was a, just to me, doesn't really seem like it as, you know, arrogant as he was as a player, as fun of a personality as he was as a player. Um, as a coach, I haven't really seen him disrespect anyone necessarily. Um, no. At least, you know, unless, you know, if you go, come at him, he's going to, you know, fire back a little bit. Right. Like the oh, I think that's a coach. that's a normal reaction for anybody. Yeah, if you exactly. come at me, yeah, I'm exactly. gonna go after so, you. So I just thought that was interesting. I because I didn't hear anything. So I'd be curious if that was, you know, like a maybe that's an in, you know, in the locker room situation. Hey, we don't do that. We don't play like we don't present ourselves like that. Um I don't know. I, I think it'd be I thought that would be interesting if that came out, but you should be. Well, next week's gonna be fun. It's Shador versus Caleb. Yeah, their Heisman. Still moment. no Travis Hunter though. That's gonna be so unfortunate. Um, but yeah, take the over. But how about everyone take the over for sure? <laughs> I will say, well, USC's defense is definitely not like Oregon's front. So yeah, maybe a fifty to forty-five. <laughs> I was gonna say, is the over gonna be like eighty? Ninety <laughs> like over under eighty ninety, definitely possible. Okay. Um, other than that, I think we'll wrap up college football and, uh, Matt, 
Matt said it's going to be his last Yankees rant of the year because they are officially eliminated from playoff contention. Unfortunately, it will not be a Dodgers-Yankees World Series this year once again. But Matt, it's been a long season. You know, at least you can kind of put it to bed now officially, you know, out of the playoffs. But just take a moment to reflect on the season for me. This is a very, I was not expecting it going into the season. Obviously, we come off a appearance in the ALC, ALCS, obviously getting swept to the Astros. But we were expected to to be right back up there and compete for another World Series. And, you know, in the offseason, I thought the Rodon signing was, was spicy. Um, I thought he was going to be a huge addition to the rotation. On paper, I thought we were going to have the best rotation in baseball with him, a healthy Severino, a healthy Nestor Cortez, and a healthy Frankie Montas at some point. And uh, currently, right now, three of them aren't even in the rotation. Carlos Rodon has had a horrible season. But, you know, Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. And he's probably the only good thing this year is he's probably going to win the Cy Young in the American League. But just a total, I guess you could say, just mishandling of of the roster. And the the huge issue was the veterans, and they just did not, they didn't produce. Rizzo he gets hurt, the concussion. Lemay he was horrible the first half of the season. He's turned it around now, but little too late. We were kind of in trouble already. Josh Donaldson, a disaster. Aaron Hicks was a disaster. All of a sudden, now he's he's good in Baltimore. Like, yeah, classic. Kind of expected that already. But we never had a left fielder. We didn't have a left fielder. And I, I kind of get it from Cashman's perspective to start the year. But he did say, we got guys but we can always make an adjustment down the season or down the line at the trade deadline anytime before that. And they didn't, they didn't. And yes, plans were ruined with the whole judge, you know, busting his toe that set us back. But that, that should have been a wake up call because you saw how bad your team was without him. I know he's important. He's our best player, but you cannot have lapses like that where you just lose series after series after series. It that doesn't work. And kind of the nail in the coffin for me of the season was the trade deadline. We were three games out. You know, do we buy? Do we sell? What do we do? My thing is, I said sell. I said we should have sold. I obviously had the right thought. But do something. Pick a direction and go for it. They did nothing. They did nothing. I can't they get did over nothing. That. They did nothing. They did nothing. You're the New York freaking Yankees. And you did nothing at the deadline. And then Brian Cashman. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, we're, we're still in it to win it. Really? How can you be in it to win it when you're in the bubble, in the thick of a wild card race, and you do nothing? Nothing. So that brings me to the whole thing. Season's over. Aaron Judge had an interview yesterday. 
about what changes need to be made. And he said, he basically, to summarize things, he took a jab at Boone. He, I mean, not Boone, excuse me, Cashman. He took a jab at the front office saying, a lot of changes need to be made. I have suggestions. I haven't heard Aaron Judge say something like that ever, <laughs> ever. So that to me is something that needs to be considered because Aaron Judge came out a few weeks ago and he defended Aaron Boone. He said, Aaron Boone is our guy. He's the guy in, in the dugout. And after going through this season, it's it's kind of hard for me to... He's Yes, Boone is questionable with some decisions, but what is, what is he supposed to do with guys that are playing out of position? He's playing with... He has to put lineups together with without his best guys. It's hard to win. It's it's hard to win when Isaiah Connor Falefa is your second best player in the lineup. <laughs> Let's yeah, be he real. was for what about a two month stretch, like, month and a great half. Great season for IKF, but that's his role is not to be a guy carrying the offense. That's not his role. So he exceeded expectations, but that's not his role. But that falls on Cashman. You're the guy you built this team. And now we're rotting. <laughs> we're rotting. But oh, what did you do at the trade deadline? You did nothing. We could have we could have got rid of guys like Harrison Bader or, or IKF. Get something. And then you end up getting Bader cleared in waivers anyway for Dominguez. So it's like, <laughs> what the hell is the point? You probably knew at the whole time that Dominguez was gonna come up. <laughs> so get rid of Bader already. Like it just poor decisions. So Personally, if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman needs to go. You don't got to convince me with that. But I'm expecting that he's going to be back anyway. But I said this before. I'm going to say it again. Last time this season, Giancarlo Stanton needs to go. I'm sorry. He needs to go. <laughs> he is a problem. Eat the contract. Give him a mid-tier prospect. Just something. You cannot have a full-time DH in your lineup. Especially with Aaron Judge, because you gotta you gotta rest him, you gotta take care of him for the whole season. And Giancarlo Stanton is clogging that spot up, and it's not like he's Shohei putting up big numbers behind or you know in the batter's box. The dude is hitting under one hundred. He he can't he can't hit the ball. He just swings as hard as he can and just prays that it makes contact. So I can't do anything with that. That's not a winning player. So I need to get rid of him. You, you damn sure better be getting an outfielder. Cody Bellinger is a, probably an ideal fit at this point, a lefty bat. He's got speed, great range in the outfield. He can play first if Anthony Rizzo is having you know his off, off moments again. So there's options there. And then pitching. You, you can never have enough pitching. And look at it this year. Outside of Garrett Cole, maybe Clark Schmidt, we've had nothing. So it's kind of like, yeah, we need a whole roster reconstruction. But let's see how we can do next year. I think we just got a clean house, starting with Stanton and adding left fielders and pitching, or left fielder and a pitcher, a quality starting pitcher. Whew. But that is the summary of the 2023 Yankees, one of my least favorite teams. Actually, probably my least favorite team, at least being alive and remembering Yankees baseball. So 
I'm done. The season is over for me. I don't have to talk to talk about them until winter meetings and free agency. So the baseball segment is now yours for the next month or however long the Dodgers stay in the playoffs. Okay. Well, not much to say this week. Just hope we can stay healthy. We got news. I think I talked about it last week, but Walker Buehler will not be coming back. So it's looking like the kid, Bobby Miller, is in line to start game one of the NLDS. Not Kershaw. Um, well, they're still deciding because um, Kershaw's been hurt. He still lights out, though. Like, it's unreal. It, playing through the injury, it's unreal. Um, I would be fine either way. We're just going to have to out-hit everyone. That's just plain and simple. I don't like it, but it's what's going to have to happen because Penn hasn't been – you know, consistent this year, too many injuries and, you know, the loss of Rios, it's going to be tough um, for this team in the playoffs, I think, but you never know, you never know with baseball, uh, anything can happen. So I'll save more baseball talk for next week as we really gear up towards the playoffs, but we did clinch our first round by, so that's nice. We got the two seed at least on lock. So at least, you know, no wild card stress for me and uh hey i'll take it i'll definitely take that um sports or sorry state of the 808 real quick i don't have too much on it but i did want to shout out to alohi gilman for the chargers because he had a big force fumble in that game against the vikings helped them you know come out on top somehow uh in no part due to brandon saley's decision making but good for Lohi because, you know, putting up stats for him. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Tua had a great game. Um, I think I, I didn't check how the force did, but uh, at least the, the Colts won, so that's good. Good for him. Um, first place Colts. Yeah, the first place Colts. Who would have thought? Um, other than that, Matt, that's all I got. So why don't you go ahead and – take us home with our sports fact of the day. All right. We are recording on September 25th. So I'll take it back to last year in 2022 in men's tennis, uh, the Lavar cup team world swept the final day, 13, eight victory over Europe. But most importantly, this was the official retirement for, to me, the goat of tennis, Roger Federer a guy who I grew up watching on TV, one of the three guys that I probably know in tennis, but the GOAT of tennis retired one year ago today. So salute, Roger. All right. Yeah, I like Roger Federer too. I like. I think he's the GOAT um, for me as well. But that'll do it for us. Week three, hopefully more positive news for Matt next week. Um, he'll be a little bit more excited to to do the pod. Um, but yeah, 